Today's sermon passage is Exodus 6. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These are the heads of their fathers' houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben, the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi according to their generations, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, the years of the life of Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni and Shimei by their clans, the sons of Kohath, Amram, Ishar, Hebron, and Uziel, the years of the life of Kohath being 133 years, the sons of Merari, Malai, and Mushai. These are the clans of the Levites according to their generations. Amram took as his wife Jochebed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses the years of the life of Amram being 137 years, the sons of Izhar, 
Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri, the sons of Uziel, Mishael, Elzaphan, and Sithri. Aaron took as his wife Elishaba, the daughter of Aminadab and the sister of Nashon, and she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, the sons of Korah, Asir, Elkanah, and Abiasaph. These are the clans of the Korahites. Eleazar, Aaron's son, took as his wife one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phinehas. These are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites by their clans. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Amen. You guys may be seated. Ashlyn, thank you for reading this morning. What that proves is a ministry rule that you should all know is when there are genealogies, you need someone born north of the Mason-Dixon line to do your reading. So um, Pennsylvania did us well today, Ashlyn, and we are, we are thankful. Isn't that right, y'all? If you have your Bible, take it and turn to Exodus chapter 6. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, this day we're gathered in your name, longing for your presence, and crying out for you to intervene and work for your people. Lord, I pray for every person gathered here today and engaging with this service. to have a renewed vision of who you are, of your mercy and your compassion and your saving power. I pray for every person gathered today to find hope in you that gives to us faith for this life. And I pray that you would lovingly strip away from us everything that competes for our allegiance to you and to being satisfied in you alone. Lord, I pray that every soul in this room would be attentive to your word and attentive to the leading of your spirit and find hope in Jesus this day. And we pray this in his name.
A sermon today is entitled Faithful for Generations. And obviously that title is talking about the Lord himself and and not Moses and, and not Aaron. But this chapter of Exodus is addressing the doubt and the disappointment and the fear of God's people. Primarily the doubt and the disappointment and the despair are directly or indirectly aimed at God's timing or God's slowness in the work that only he can accomplish. And I understand that this theme of God's character, God's goodness, God's promises, and God's faithfulness to his word could be starting to sound repetitive to those of us who've been walking through Exodus together. I suspect that it was sounding repetitive to the people of Israel who received it. But I believe there's a reason why God gave the content of Exodus 6 to his people at this particular time. And I believe at the particular time that he gave it. And I believe that there is a reason why God would give us this word today. Again and again, and again. And it's because of this. Our experience in a fallen world will often cause us to wrestle with doubt and disappointment and despair. We live in a fallen world, and and, in navigating A fallen world will often cause the people of God to wrestle with doubt and disappointment and despair. And this morning, I want you to notice two things of vital importance in this passage. Number one, God doesn't ridicule his people for their doubt, disappointment, and despair. And number two, God doesn't offer man-driven solutions to God-sized dilemmas. But God offers himself and his character and his comfort and his presence and his peace to those who belong to him no matter the hardship or the difficulty. So if you find yourself here today, standing before the Lord, wrestling with doubt and disappointment and despair, I would say you're in good company. And I'm glad that we are here together to look to the Lord. So what we will see is that God in this passage 
addresses a situation, doubt, disappointment, and despair by his people in three ways. He says, remember the specific promise I gave you. Second, he says, remember the God of the promise. And third, he says, remember God's ongoing faithfulness. So let's look at this together. In many ways, Exodus 6 is like coming downstairs and your family's having a family movie night that you weren't invited to, and you come downstairs and they're about an hour in. And they're not going to restart it just so that you can catch up. And so Exodus 6 is in the middle of the movie. And this is what you've missed if this is your first time with us today. God's people, they're in slavery, they're in hardship, they're in suffering, they're in genuine despair. And God speaks to a man, Moses, and calls him and says, I'm going to use you to deliver my people from Israel, excuse me, my people Israel from Egypt, and I'm going to keep all my promises to them. And so Moses is the man who God calls, and he goes back, and he appears to the people of Israel, and they say, that's awesome, let's do this. And then they go to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and Pharaoh doesn't say, that's awesome, let's do this. But rather, Pharaoh doubles down on the hardship and the suffering. And so we end chapter 5 with Moses before the Lord saying, Oh Lord, this is Exodus chapter 5, verse 22. Oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came, came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done evil to his people, and you have not delivered your people at all. So Moses is frustrated. He's he's struggling to believe. He's, he's facing doubt, disappointment, despair. God, what is going on here? And it's not just Moses, because if you then go down to chapter 6, verse 9, God's going to give another word to Moses to take to the people and, and hear this. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery. And so what 6.9 is telling us and what 5.22 and 23 are telling us is God's people are in this situation where even believing in God and his goodness and his character and his promises is difficult. And yet, What God offers them is his character and his promises and his faithfulness. So those of you that have ever had a a toddler who would decry, I hate broccoli. Exodus 6 is not the Lord arguing the merits of broccoli with a two-year-old. But it's the Lord quietly going to the stove and making steamed broccoli and lovingly putting it in front of the toddler and saying, yet this is what you need. 
And so my prayer for us today is that we would see from the Lord, yet this is what I need. I need a, a clearer vision of you and of your word and of your covenant and of your promises. And I need you to help me be satisfied in you in spite of the hardship that I'm navigating. I'm kind of just preaching this sermon backward. I'm giving you all the takeaway at the top. We'll just live with that. The last six months in our world have been a challenge for every single one of us. And I don't pretend to tell you everything that God's up to because I'm not God. But I can't help but think that at the core of it all is him reminding us that ultimately all we have is him and that he's enough. I believe that's what God's doing for his people here in Exodus chapter 6. So let's, let's look at this together. Number one, remember the specific promise of God. So this setback, in air quotes, with Pharaoh is not a setback to God. Actually, he told Moses that it would happen beforehand. God will keep his word, and God will do his work for his people. So the chapter begins with, I made a promise to you, Moses, and that promise still stands. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. So what God is saying is my promise stands, I will keep my word to you and to my people. Cling to my promise. Verse 6, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Do you hear this repeated theme? I will do what I've said I will do. God looks upon the doubt, the despair, the disbelief, the disappointment of his people, and he re-speaks his specific promises. I will do what I have said that I And so then in verse 10, he says, so let's get back to it. Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. God first reiterates his promise that he will keep to Moses and to his 
So chapter 7 is going to get tactical and tangible. But chapter 6 shows us that there is a knowledge of God and a living faith that is necessary for God's people before we move into the tactical. God is going to work a miracle for his people, but the purpose is for them to see him and trust him. God will not be missed in the deliverance that God will bring to his people. He says, I've promised it, it will be. So if you're an astute listener to the scripture, you might be sitting here today going, okay, that's really good, Pastor, but God's never appeared to me in a burning bush and given me a specific promise. Do we have any burning bush experiences here? Literal, not metaphorical? Literal? No? Okay. Didn't think so. I have one facetious son over here, but we discount him. Okay. So, so no burning bushes. God doesn't speak directly and audibly to us the way in this time, the way that he did to Moses So where do we find these promises that we're going to trust? We find them in the Scripture. God has given countless specific promises to his people in the Scripture. One of my favorites is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So God's promised, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And what I love about Hebrews 13, chapter 5 and 6, is the author of Hebrews is actually taking something God gave to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, and he's saying, this is what it looks like for you. God has promised to all his people he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we can face fear and we can face humanity because the Lord is our helper. The scriptures are filled with promises that we should preach to ourselves and believe in our hardships. Now, guys, this is not a light switch kind of thing. Doubt, despair, disappointment. Hebrews 13, 5, everything's better. That's not how it works. The way it works is what do you say to yourself as you're walking these hardships? You you recall what God has promised that God will do, which means that we must take up the Bible. We must ingest it and let it shape us and let it be true to us because we need the word of God. We need to know what God has promised that he will do. Additionally, has God sent any of us to Egypt to deliver Israel from a Pharaoh? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, so are there things that the Lord wants me to do where he promises he will be with me in the same way that he is with Moses on this mission? Yes. I'm going to give you four today. I'm going to give you four. Four places that the New Testament says God will be with us as we seek to do them. Number one, if we belong to Jesus, the New Testament tells us that God will be with us in the pursuit of holiness. That is, in a pursuit to turn away from sin and to look more like Christ and to live more for the glory of God, the Scripture says that God will be with us. You could read Hebrews chapter 12 
to ponder that truth. Where we're told to pursue the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And we, we're shown God's commitment to pushing us toward holiness. Second, the scripture tells us that the Lord will be with his people as we invest in his church. Now, invest doesn't mean financially. It means invest all of who we are. Jesus said, I have come to build the church and upon the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so Jesus will help his people build his church, which is the gathering of the people who belong to God because of Christ. Jesus will be with us as we seek to build his church. Third, Jesus will be with us and help us as we take the gospel outside of the church. And this is a very clear example of what I'm talking about. We know it as the Great Commission. It's right up here. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Jesus will be with us as we go to take the gospel to the nations, starting here and going as far as we can. Fourth, God will be with us, Christ will be with us on the mission to love our neighbors well as we've been loved in Christ. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus was asked, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Christ would call upon us who have received the love of God in him to share his love broadly and freely everywhere that we are. So in the pursuit of holiness and in investing in the church and taking the gospel outside the church and an in intentional love of neighbor on these missions, God will be with his people as we seek to live for his glory. I think so much stuff that's debated on social media today would disintegrate into nothing but zeros and ones if the church of Jesus would take up the love of Jesus toward the world and toward neighbor and toward others and be vigilant about displaying it and then speak the gospel freely into relationships filled with love. So much would change and so much fruit would be there, but I'm digressing from Exodus chapter 6. The point is, God first reminds them of the specific promise. And while we're not in Egypt looking for deliverance by the hand of Moses, God too has given us specific promises that he would call upon us to believe and specific callings that he promises to work through his people in. Second, remember the God of the promise. Remember the God of the promise. This is verses 2 through 9. I'm just going to read them, and what I want you to hear as I read them is God is rooting the totality of the promise in who he is. Look for the repetition. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. So this is the name 
by which God has revealed himself to Moses. I am that which always has been and always will be and will always be consistent and unchanging and faithful. I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. So he's saying, I'm unchanging. I was faithful to them. I will be faithful to you. But my name, the Lord, I did not make known to them. What he's saying is, I've revealed something about my character to you that I didn't fully reveal to them. You know more of who I am in a fuller way than they do, than they did. And yet I was faithful to them, and yet they trusted me, and yet they walked with me. Verse 4, I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slave, and I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. Do you hear the repetition? I'm going to do these things because of who I am. I'm going to do these things because I am able. I'm going to do these things because I am faithful. I'm going to do these things because I am unchanging. I am the Lord. It's as if the Lord is saying is what you need more than deliverance from slavery is me and I'm going to show me you. What you need more than a promised land is a fuller experience of my presence and my promise to you, and I'm going to give that to you. I will bring you out. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God. You shall see and know that I'm the Lord. I will fulfill my covenant. All of this is about God showing himself to be the deliverer of his people. I am. And so what God is saying here is, remember the specific promise, but remember the God who stands behind the promise. The Lord wants his people to be satisfied in having his presence no matter the difficulty. And this, my friends, is the challenge for us. So before we leave this point, just know this. What the Lord says he's going to do for his people and why he's going to do it is exactly how he relates to us in Christ. So if we're in Christ today, then then what the scripture says is Jesus is the fullest and final revelation of the character of God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hebrews chapter 1 says, In these last days, God has spoken finally and fully through his Son. If we have seen Christ, we know the totality of the nature and the character 
of God. And we know that through Christ, he has brought us out of sin. He's redeemed us from the bondage of sin. He's taken us to be his people. He will be our God so that we will know and see his saving power. And we can trust that he will fulfill his covenant always and forever into everlasting life. This is the gift of Christ And this is how we remember the character of the Lord to sustain us through difficulty and hardship and despair. So if you're here today checking out Christianity, what I would say to you is understand that the Lord is not concerned with what you can do for him. But he is concerned that we see and believe and become captivated and find allegiance to his son, Christ, and what Christ has done for us. And I would invite you to consider this Christ today. Third, and finally and quickly, remember God's ongoing faithfulness. Remember God's ongoing faithfulness. Now, God points to this. He says, look, I am the God who revealed myself to Abraham. Remember how I kept my promise to Abraham? And to Isaac, remember how I kept my promise to Isaac? And Jacob, remember how I kept my promise to Jacob? If if you're unsure of those things, go start reading in Genesis chapter 12. But then what happens in verses 14 through 25 is Moses, remember, Moses wrote the book of Exodus. Moses drops in a genealogy. And it seems like out of left field. But what happens in these verses is Moses positions himself and Aaron in the family tree of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And what he does as he says, through us, God is keeping these promises which he's always kept And he's showing his unchanging character as he showed it to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. So you get that Aaron and Moses were born of Amram. And Amram was born of Kohath. And Kohath was born of Levi. And Levi was born of Jacob, Israel. And so what Moses is saying to us is... This God who is for us has always been for us, and we find hope in his continuing, ongoing faithfulness. Verse 26 then says, These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their host. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. God is using Moses and Aaron to fulfill his promises to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And just as God was faithful to them, God is faithful today and he will continue being faithful. So one important way to read the scripture is not so much, I need something to do today. But one way to read the scripture is, show me your faithfulness in a new way today, oh God. Show me how you keep your word. So one thing that comes from the book of Exodus for us is, look how God kept his word. 
We know this same God through Christ. I stand in him. This is a gift. This is a blessing to me. And if you're a praying person, I would encourage you to write your prayers down so you can see God answering them and see his ongoing faithfulness to increase your trust in him. I distinctly remember one time I was at a missions conference and a missionary from um, Siberia stood up. It's a lovely place, right? Go to Siberia and be a missionary. Stood up and said, God has answered 974 prayers of mine this year. And I have them written right here. Now, I have to admit, I've never done that. But his point was, when I pray, I believe that God listens because I can see his past faithfulness. God's past faithfulness is intended to carry us through our current despair and doubt and disappointment and fear and unbelief. Now, this isn't magic beans. And many of you today hear me say, remember the specific promise of God. Remember the promise, remember the God of the promise, and remember God's ongoing faithfulness. And into your broken spirit and suffering, you hear, yeah, 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 yeah. And I would just say, will you again look to the Lord to find sustenance for today? And then we'll fight about faithfulness tomorrow, tomorrow, by looking to the Lord and finding sustenance for today. And then we'll do it again tomorrow and again the next day and again the next day. But the Lord wants our hope to be in him more than it is in better circumstances. This is the characteristic of what it looks like to walk by faith in a fallen world. And I invite you to join me in this pursuit. So our Father and our God, we thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy. We thank you for who you are. And we ask that you would be at work in this room and be our deliverer and our healer and our helper. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.